Hello, I'm Barbara Ann Garcia, healthcare advocate, strong woman athlete, and the host of Healthcare Untold. Healthcare Untold is a podcast dedicated to giving voice to everyday heroes and their untold health stories that can improve healthcare to our most vulnerable communities. And today our guest is Kazi Sanandele, who is one of the founders and volunteer program directors and coordinator of the Immigrant Refugee Research Village of Albuquerque. Welcome, Kazi, to Healthcare Untold. Thank you, Barbara, for having me today. I appreciate Yes, it's a great honor, and we were just talking about how happy both of us are um, about uh, the outcome of our election. And so I know that makes a great difference for organizations like yours. Uh, so why don't you tell us about the Immigrant Refugee Resource Village of Albuquerque? Well, so uh, uh, the way uh, the, this organization, the Immigrant and Refugee Resource Village of Albuquerque, started uh, was through my husband and I's uh, singing ministries. Uh, the South African Orion Duet Ministries. Uh, we used to sing, um, we still do sing, uh, and wherever we sing, we always talk about our country, South Africa, where we were raised in uh, uh, legalized racism. And so um, we have been in New Mexico uh, since 1994, and uh, we had not known, actually by that time, we knew that there were immigrants. Of course, we are immigrants as well. But there were no refugees that we knew of at the time. Because the refugees, I understand, uh, came to Albuquerque way back before we arrived from Asia. And then the African refugees, uh, we did not learn about them until 2006 uh, through Catholic Charities. And so in 2006, we heard that there was a family that had arrived from uh, Rwanda, and we went to visit to see how refugees look like. Just I was just curious because at the time, I had lost my nursing job, and I had also lost my immigration status for whatever reason. So we went there and found this uh, young man. He kept pointing to the, to the back of his head, and he wouldn't know what he was saying because we did not speak his language. And so fortunately, we had to go and get another young lady who spoke um, his language. And we asked her what he was telling us. So he was telling us that he had a severe headache. And so we kept asking if he wanted us to take him to the hospital. And yes, he said he wanted to be taken to the hospital. And that was our introduction to working with refugees because we ended up staying with him overnight for 13 hours because there was no one from Africa that was around him at that time. Even though we did not speak his language, at least we were a coming presence because he knew there was someone from Africa. Fortunately, the hospital was able to provide some interpretation for him. And so that started our journey uh, to volunteer helping refugees. And so in 2006, from 2006 to 2007, we started reaching out, you know, to find out who these refugees were, how we could help help them. So I partnered with um, Catholic Charities as a volunteer so I could study more about refugees. So 2007, uh, we started uh, receiving refugees from Middle East. So my husband and I decided that we needed to maybe start our own organization which at the time, 
it was not the immigrant and refugee resource village of Albuquerque at the time. It was just under our South African Orangewood Ministries. So we started finding ourselves starting to, like in my volunteer work, we would go welcome refugees and try to help them know what is in the home and what items were in the homes because from refugee camps where they were, they did not have furniture. You know, they were like the homeless people. They had right. a few items. So we would have to teach them uh, how to even cook the food, how to uh, preserve the food in the fridge. And so we, we learned right there that even though we're Africans, we were from South Africa, we were exposed to at least the luxuries of, you know, of a normal home. So we realized that there's a lot that they had been deprived of you know, living in the, in like in the, in the wilderness yes. and just not having, you know, a home of their own and living in just abject poverty. So we decided that we were going to form our, our own organization and then uh, with the help of other Africans and community volunteers, uh, we started um, outreach to the refugees. So we decided that because we did not want to be like separated, we did not believe in being separated from other cultures like we were treated in South Africa. So we decided that we were going to serve anyone from anywhere in the world and just embrace them and try to understand their cultures and, and just try to serve everyone. So we started um, getting volunteers and partnered with um, local um, uni I mean, college to teach English as a second language in addition to us trying to work alongside Catholic charities to make sure that they were welcome here and that uh, people understood who they, the refugees were. So in 2009, uh, we received uh, people from Ethiopia. And the, the what happened is that when refugees come here, Catholic charities would resettle them and then they help them to find, to find jobs for them. And other and access other resources. So there were women, about two women that were hired, and within one week or within a few days, they were fired. They no longer had jobs. And the problem with that is that because they don't know how to um, advocate for themselves because they don't speak English. So some most of them will just be languishing at home and not knowing what to do. And so we decided that. Um, alongside the women, uh, I started an organization called uh, New Mexico Women's Global Pathways. So alongside those women and their families, we started that project to teach, to provide jobs because we say, okay, who knows how to sew? Who knows how to bid? So all the skills that women had, we said, okay, you can sew, you can, you can teach sewing, you can bid, you can teach bidding. And then we can find people to teach English as a second language. So that's how we started uh, New Mexico Women's Global Pathways, which later became uh, a vocational skills project of the immigrant and refugee resource village of Albuquerque. Oh, very good. And so here we have um, just two people who came from Africa who decided that, uh, you know, if they wanted to be of service to other uh, refugees and immigrants and you started two organizations, actually three, and then you've merged them to be more organized, I assume. And um, what a beautiful uh, process that you've gone through. Uh, Kasi, tell us a little bit about the passion that you bring to this and where did how, what's your story? Tell us a little bit about your own journey. 
So I was born in South. I was born in South Africa and educated in South Africa and obtained uh, a diploma in nursing. And I worked in South Africa in a magistrate court as a typist, clerk, and an interpreter. And then, uh, because of the strictures of apartheid, and then at their height, or you know, when the apartheid was really, really bad, my husband, who was involved in the struggle back home, I tried ran, ran away. I mean, so him and myself uh, ran away to the USA. And I was lucky that I was able to study to further my nursing degree. In that was in 1981 when we came to America. And so uh, when we came here, coming as immigrants, we did not know that when I get here, I would not have the privilege to work in the USA because I was an immigrant. And I also did not have the papers for working. So anyway, I struggled. And for seven years, I studied. I wanted to be a doctor, but then I ended up uh, getting a Bachelor of Science in Nursing uh, because I had to work full time. And then that's why it took longer. So I obtained my Bachelor of Science in Nursing and then moved from Michigan where we were to California. We were running away from the snow. Move to California. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> and then moved to California. There wasn't much snow in California, but then my husband got mugged uh, in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And then after he almost died, then after that incident, uh, he moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then I followed him a year after that. Mm-hmm. And so within that time, when he, you know, after he left me, I had an injury which kept me away from my nursing job for about 10 years. But when I got to Albuquerque, I found a job uh, in one of the local hospitals working as a nurse. But as I was, I went the other day to go and renew my work permit to immigration. When I got there, they told me that my file had been closed for six months, my immigration file, and I hadn't known. So the next day, I never went back to work. I became undocumented from that day. And so from that day, I decided that I either have to stay home, hide from, you know, ICE and trying to dodge the police or or I can go out there and try to, you know, help help someone. So by that time, we had not really met any refugees. So 2006, that's when I say, okay, I have to make a choice. Do I just stay home and rot in my house and always be afraid to be deported or do I get out there? So I decided, well, I'm going to get out there, uh, look for people like like myself, like undocumented refugees, immigrants, and wherever I can help. So that's how that work started, because I was looking for something to do rather than staying home and and be right, running away from being deported. And that's so true, Kasi, for so many of our uh, refugees and our immigrants, they come with so many skills um, from their home country, and they're not able to share those skills with us in the United States because of uh, the way that, at least in the most recent immigration processes. And, um, and you know, I know, you know, just uh, when as you worked with the women coming, they all bring skills, whether that's sewing or beading or nursing, and trying to match those needs with their other needs is so important. Uh, for those who come to the United States at the beginning. And so I, 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 you know, I'm sure that 
people look to your organization as, um, you know, someplace where they feel safe and welcomed um, in the United States. And um, tell us more about um, what your future um, thoughts are and goals for your and dreams for IRVA. Uh, so, so then we have, so since the time that when the women got together, you know, we developed this program with, of course, with assistance from uh, community organizations like the Lamesa Presbyterian Church, uh, other colleges, and then volunteers. Uh, we were able to, because we did not, for instance, we did not have space of our own for a long time until 2017, when my husband and I decided to buy a property that we were still fixing so that we can be able to provide a variety of programming. So because in the beginning, we were uh, like just trying to do whatever we could in people's spaces and we would outgrow those spaces. So the, 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 the initial goal was to teach women uh, the skills, right, bidding, et cetera, so that they could sell. So we would help them to sell um, in collaboration with other organizations. So by right now, uh, we have uh, grown to where we have our own space. And then we, and we were also supported by the community a lot because for some reason, we were never able to, we didn't know how to apply for funding. We did not know how to set up an organization. And so even grant writing for us was not an easy thing. So we were kind of like really struggling a lot. And then after like 2010, because in 2010, because the refugees were being neglected here in, in New Mexico a lot, some of them, they were just languishing in the apartments with no jobs. So I went on a 16-day refugee awareness hunger strike to make sure that people knew about the refugees and knew that what their needs were, especially the fact that they did not have jobs and that even the, the organization that brought here, them here, because they, the refugees can only be helped for a certain period of time and then they are on their own. So after that period ends, when the agency can no longer support them, then they are on their own. So that's why I went on that refugee awareness hunger strike. After that, they started getting some people were trying to re re reach out and to help us. So now what uh, happened is that we started the Immigrant and Refugee Resource Village of Alba because we wanted to be welcome so that when people see our name, they know that we're not only serving Africans, we're only we're serving immigrants, refugees, asylum seekers, including the undocumented. And so what we've been doing is to partner with human resources uh, where people they go to human resources applying for financial assistance, and then they have to go to a community and find an organization that can uh, utilize them like they're volunteering the organization, and then they get their food stamps and financial assistance. That is how we're able to, to serve people from Latin America, Asia, and other parts of the world. Wow. And so um, you really have expanded the population that you're serving. So it's really those who are in need um, of basic services um, throughout Albuquerque. And um, so that is such an incredible um, growth that you've done. I saw that you were doing masks for the pandemic. Um, is that a project you're still working on? Okay. So in like, since we had been uh, training young people and women since 2009, in 2019, I worked very closely training about 15 young ladies, uh, girls, and some people from Afghanistan. So when an opportunity, when COVID-19 came, 
And some of these young people were out of school and they were like, they couldn't go out, they had to stay at home. Uh, and then an opportunity came through the Southwest Organizing Project to sew masks that were also supposed to promote census. So we were sewing census promotion masks mm-hmm. on behalf of the Southwest Organizing Project in collaboration with other agencies. So we started sewing those. So the people were supposed to be staying home. So what I would do is we take a few of the girls, have them at the center, train them how to make the masks, and then send them home to sew, you know, to sew the masks. Mm-hmm. So the Africans then were joined by Afghanistan women from April to September. So we just ended the sewing of the masks actually three two weeks ago. And how many masks were you able to make, Kazi? So, so initially, at the end of August, they had told us that we had made 15,000 masks. Oh but uh, two weeks ago, they said that the final total was 18,000 masks. Oh, that is wonderful. That is so wonderful. 18,000 masks. Utilizing Correct. people's skills and trying to match and, um, you know, be able to, to meet a need. Um, how can the, uh, the uh, listening audience support your organization? What are the ways that they can do that, Kazi? So current, I mean, let me just say that we are, we've tried to have had someone who was trying to help us to apply for funding. See, there's about 12 organizations here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, that will reach out to refugees. And then all of us were trying to apply for the same funding. So if, uh, and like us, we don't have, we, we, we try to apply, but we're I guess we don't have the professionalism or how to write grants. So we kind of like don't get um, like adequate funding. So that's why I'm always saying I'm a volunteer program coordinator. No one is really paid. The only time that I got paid really is when we were doing the masks because the funding came from the Southwest Organizing Project to pay myself and then the women that were sewing. So really the main thing is uh, donations of money. Because now, because over time, the community was donating like materials, like fabrics, they were donating some sewing machines. The only sewing machines that we need now is a heavy duty sewing machines to sew, because we're going to be sewing sleeping bags for the homeless. So those are the kinds of sewing machines we need, the heavy duty sewing machines, maybe about four of them. But then funding is always a greatest need. You know, if somebody even gave like $10 a month or how however somebody can help us that's our greatest need now because right now we're going to try to have to pay uh, someone or an organization that helps people apply for funding so that we can have funding so cash dollars um, to be able to um, help you with your cost of supporting um, the immigrants and the refugees and and actually, you know, those who are in need, uh, particularly the homeless, the local homeless in Albuquerque. How would they send you, um, how would they contact you, uh, Kazi, to be able to donate to you? Okay, so we have a website. And so it, that website is www.ir rva.com so there is a link there for someone to be able to donate or they can mail a donation to Immigrant and Refugee Resource Village of Albuquerque P.O. Box 93445 Albuquerque, New Mexico 87199 Why don't you say that one more time? 
www.irrva.com or uh, you can say IRRVA on your check and then write um, P.O. Box 93445 Albuquerque, New Mexico 87199. Very good. Well, um, I just want to know, let the listening audience, I just became a member and also uh, a um, somebody who donates every month. Um, I really believe in your organization, Kazi. And um, on behalf of Healthcare Untold, we really want to um, honor you um, and know that you're one of the community's leaders and also heroes in looking at trying to support new immigrants and new refugees um, coming into Albuquerque so that they can feel uh, comfortable and welcoming. Um, also, um, the IRVA Project, the Immigration Refugee Resource Village of Albuquerque, also serves anyone who is in need of services and supports. We really want to honor you, Kazi, and thank you so much for the work that you're doing every day. And we wish you the best, and we hope that uh, the listening audience will um, also support you. So thank you again, Kazi, for spending time with us on Healthcare Untold. Thank you so much, Barbara, for having me. And thank you, everyone, for whatever support you can give. <laughs>